Hello and welcome to Hari Cuts. I'm Hari Stephen Kumar and this is the pandemic season of this podcast. Today is Friday, April 24th and it is still a global pandemic out there. You, like me, are probably in in some stage of quarantine or isolation or lockdown, wherever it is that you're listening to this. Uh, for me, today is actually six weeks of uh, of uh, being in isolation, um, and uh, uh, just about three weeks now of being in quarantine for as I've been recovering from COVID myself. But then again, who knows? All these days, all these weeks have now blurred into one another. What does time mean anyway now? So what I've been doing with this podcast is trying to help out with some storytelling to help us uh, take our minds off the pandemic for a little while. Uh, We just finished uh, reading through David Foster Wallace's essay, and right now I'm actually telling a story that I've never told before, and this is the story of Caspar. Today, we're going to get into part two of this story. Yesterday, we left off seeing, you know, being introduced to the world of Caspar, ah, keeper of the treasure, prince of the desert. Today, let us experience that same story, but from a different set of eyes. Without further ado, I give you the story of Caspar, part two. You open your eyes and you look around and you're in your element and as far as you can see, it is your domain. Outside, the sky is cloudless and blue and the sun is high overhead and it is probably hot out there, but in here, inside this truck, the air conditioning is nice and cool and it keeps keeps you dry. Yes, it's a truck. You are in the driver's seat of a massive 18-wheeler truck. You are a truck driver, and ahead of you, the highway stretches straight as a ribbon, and your truck is in its lane, and all the other lesser vehicles around you are giving you space because they know this is your lane, this is your domain, and they, if they cross over into you, sheer physics will dictate that you will win. It is a beautiful day out there. It is glorious indeed, actually. It's a glorious day out there, and sure enough, From your right, you hear a voice saying, sure is a glorious day out there, Gloria. And you smile and you look over and you see your husband, Edmund, in the passenger seat next to you. And he's smiling at you as well. And he called you Gloria because that's right, that's you. That's your name. You're Gloria. You are a truck driver. And your husband is a truck driver too. And both of you drive this truck together, this 18-wheeler truck. You are 68 years old. Edmund is 73, and both of you are Floridians. You are a Florida woman. He's a Florida man. And you live near Pensacola, Florida, in a small town called Milton. It happens to be just north of a smaller town called Baghdad, Florida. And that is going to be a little ironic, given events that are about to happen later today. But you don't know about that just yet. In fact, you're right now not in Florida. The sun outside is hot, and you're used to hot Florida suns, but it's actually Louisiana sun out there. You're on Interstate 10, heading east, and you're still about 500 miles or so away from from your home. But you're driving this truck to Florida, and all is well with the world as you look around. 
and you look over to your husband's uh, face and he's smiling and you ask him, how's baby girl doing? And he looks down at his lap and says, oh, she's sleeping. And you look down and you see your dog, this little ball of wool curled up in your husband's lap and it's and it's sleeping. This is your your precious, precious little baby girl. That's her name. This dog's name is Baby Girl. She is a Japanese chin dog. She's about 14 years old. She's she's pretty she's a pretty elderly little dog, just just like you and your husband. Um, and and she's of course the love of your of your lives. Uh, your your kids and your grandkids have all moved on, and and it's just the two of you and this dog, traveling through these highways together, driving this big truck together, and all is well. All is as it should be with the world. Far up ahead, thunder clouds are massing up, and there's a stroke of lightning that you can see way in the distance. And your husband says, ah, oh, looks like there's a thunderstorm that we're about to drive through. And you say, ah, good thing baby girl can't hear it. She, that would, she would not really like that at all. And your husband agrees, because it turns out baby girl, little baby girl, is actually deaf. And you know that before she went deaf, she would be frightened of thunderstorms. And you're glad that she's sleeping and that she can't see the lightning ahead. And you're glad that she's deaf and then she won't be able to hear the thunder as you drive on through, through ahead, heading east into the clouds that are ahead. You know that beyond those clouds lies the city of Baton Rouge, which stands for Red Stick. Also a name that's going to be ironic a little later on. But those events haven't happened yet. Later that evening, the thunderstorm has passed. It is close to about six o'clock or so in the evening. And you're coming up on Baton Rouge. And your husband says, baby girl's going to need to pee pretty soon. Maybe we should pull over at uh, Tiger Truck Stop. And you say, oh, yeah, we should, we should stop there. And you say, oh, I wonder if that camel is going to be there. And your husband says, yeah, you know, isn't the same since Tony left, though. Because, yes, you know this truck stop. You know all the different animals that are there. And you and your husband both used to stop at this truck stop on, as you drove your truck. And you knew this truck stop back when Tony the Tiger used to be there. It was a star attraction. And now you know that there's a camel. And you've seen this camel. And you were there when this camel was brought to this truck stop. And you and your husband and little baby girl have actually gone and talked to this camel on occasion. So, so this would be a nice break for you. And so, sure enough, just before Baton Rouge, you see exit signs for Grosse Tête, a little town, which means big head. Again, irony, signs of irony are everywhere, but you don't know that yet. You pull over, pull off the, the highway into the town of Grosstet, and right off the exit ramp, there is Tiger Truck Stop. And you, you expertly maneuver your 18-wheeler truck into the truck stop. You and your, your husband, Edmund, get out of the, the truck. Baby girl stretches her tiny little woolly legs, and uh, your husband takes her to do her business, and both of you go into the restaurant at the truck stop to have some dinner and to just relax. Dinner is uneventful. The waitresses and waitstaff know you. You've, you've stopped here before. You come out of the uh, the restaurant, and you, you're lingering a little bit to pay, and, and your husband takes baby girl on, on ahead to 
to feed her before getting into the truck again for the long ride onward into Pensacola. Um, and as you come out of the restaurant, you see him up at the fence um, where the camel is is coming on up to take a look. And little baby girl is running around outside. And you see your husband, you know, feeding baby girl and holding something up to the fence and the camel is coming. And you you laugh thinking that maybe your husband is, is playing with the camel, you know, trying to offer him, you know, the same dog treats that he's going to be offering baby girl. It's twilight. You look toward the west from which you came and you can see the sun slowly sinking toward the horizon. It's a very peaceful, tranquil scene. You go up to the fence and you stand next to your husband and the two of you hold hands and the camel is right there and the camel also seems to be amused by baby girl running around. And as you're talking to your husband and he's looking, as you're looking at the sun, suddenly you hear uh, a little little barking and you, and you look and you notice that baby girl, baby girl has, has somehow managed to to get under the fence and baby girl is now on the other side of the fence pawing at the ground right next to the camel's big feet and the camel is looking at baby girl and the camel is beginning to shove at baby girl and, and you begin yelling baby girl come back here baby girl come back here but it's it's no use you realize baby girl is deaf she can't hear you she can't hear the camel and now to your shock and your dismay baby girl begins to growl and bark at this big camel. She begins to bare her teeth. And you realize baby girl thinks that the camel is trying to eat her food and, and baby girl is, is threatened. And you tell your husband, quick, Edmund, do something, do something. And, and Edmund's like frantically trying to figure out what to do. And he's yelling at the camel. And the camel is like startled looking at Edmund and looking at the, at the dog. And, and you say, take off your hat, take off your hat. And Edmund takes off his hat. And he begins shoving the hat and hitting the, the hat on the fence. And this seems to really freak the camel out. The camel is bug-eyed now, looking at Edmund, looking at his hat, looking at the dog. And and you you ask Edmund to, to take the camel down the side of the fence a little bit so that you can try to reach through the fence or try to get baby girl. So Edmund tries to distract the camel. Edmund goes to the right on the fence a little bit. And, and you you begin to see where baby girl had slid down under the fence. There's a little bit of a gap between the fence and the ground. It's a barbed wire fence, but but you don't care. This is baby girl. This is your little baby girl. And so you crawl under the fence. The barbed wire scratches your clothes, but you don't care. You want to rescue your little baby girl. You get in to the other side of the fence, and you're just as you're about to pick up baby girl, here's the camel again. The camel is now coming toward baby girl because baby girl has been barking and trying to bite the camel. The camel now leans his head down to butt baby girl and baby girl's trying to bite the camel's face and the camel is really not liking this and so so you are now yelling at the camel and and you notice behind the camel Edmund has also managed to slide under the fence, the barbed wire fence. He's also looking scratched up, but he is now hitting the camel from behind with his hat. The camel turns around and gets a face full of hat on its head, and the camel rears its head and, and turns around and looks at you, and you now begin to, yeah, you know, you have to do something to protect baby girl, and so, and so... You don't feel good about it, but you begin to punch this camel with your hands. And the camel 
whinnies and, and turns around and, and, and for a little while it seems like it's going to run away from you, but then it turns back and it charges straight at you. The next thing you know, there is this big camel in your face and you tumble over backward trying to scramble away and you trip over baby girl and you fall on the ground and now you're looking up at the camel and the camel is its, its feet come landing right down next to your face and you dodge and you very narrowly avoid getting stomped on by this camel and the camel turns to look at Edmund and and Edmund is trying to to shoo the camel away and 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 then and then the world just goes dark you feel this massive weight on your body. This huge furry beast has, is now sitting on you. Your face, your head is completely smushed underneath the scammel. And you realize your entire body, your arms are pinned to your side. And your face is, is pressed against the ground. And the camel is on you. And you can barely see and you can feel your body being crushed. You can hear it, you can feel it. And so you yell to Edmund, you say, get the dog, get out of here, I'm already dead. And, and your husband is trying to get baby girl, but she's also under the camel with you, which you don't know quite yet. So as you're laying there and you're wondering, how are you ever going to get out of this? There doesn't seem to be any way out. And in that moment, the wisdom of the ancients comes pouring into you. And you remember your mother telling you when you were a little girl growing up, reading your Bible, your mother telling you, God will always make a way out where there is no way. And you begin to think about this and you contemplate this and you realize there's got to be something you can do. You can't move your arms, but you have your mouth. Maybe, maybe, maybe you can bite whatever it is that's right near you. And you realize with a shocking sense of familiarity that the thing that's the part of the camel that's pressed against your face feel an awful lot like testicles. And you don't really want to think about how you know this. But it's right there. The camel's testicles are right in front of your mouth. Big, hairy, fuzzy balls. And you close your eyes and you open your mouth and you bite down hard. And then, suddenly, there is light. The weight on your chest lifts. You begin to be pulled up by your mouth still holding on to the balls and so you let go and you stagger and the camel now is walking away from you and it's staggering it's making moaning sounds and and you are so relieved that you can actually see and breathe again and you see baby girl who has been covered under you this entire time and you grab baby girl and you now scramble under the fence and your husband Edmund now is shooing the camel away and he's continuing to punch the camel and so you now make your escape you come out 
with your baby girl in your lap and you're sitting on the other side of the fence gasping for air and now here come the waitstaff from the restaurant they're coming running some of them are running over to help Edmund and some of them are gathered around you and a waitress asks you ma'am are you okay are you okay and you, and you and you you feel like you've your ribs are broken and your your shoulder your collar is aching and you're pretty sure you've broken something there but your your heart's racing your you're you're still bug-eyed and you notice the waitress has a pack of cigarettes in her shirt pocket and you you gesture you tell her please can i have a cigarette and she she gives you a cigarette and you you light the cigarette and you you take a deep breath and you begin to calm down and you realize edmund is now on this side of the fence too the camel is far away you look down in your lap and baby girl is is shivering and trembling but but she's safe and she's in your lap and you've got a cigarette in your mouth and and you look at the sky and the sun is finally setting everything is at peace all is well again everything is okay and you look at baby girl in your arms and you hold her and you say it's okay baby girl i've got you and you close your eyes and you rest All right, <laughs> that was part two of the story, told from the perspective of Gloria, the 68-year-old truck driver from Florida, who, who yes, indeed, is indeed the woman who um, bit a camel's balls. You may be wondering, wait a second, what, what's, is, is that true? Is, is that really a Florida woman and a Florida man? Yep, that's right. You know, yes, the story started out in Louisiana, and you might have thought, hmm, this sounds a lot like what should have happened to a Florida man or a Florida woman. Ah, you get a bonus. You get both a Florida man and a Florida woman in this story, and a bonus Florida dog in the story as well. Uh, but isn't this a different perspective on the story, though? Now you have poor little baby girl, a little deaf elderly dog oh this poor deaf dog it wasn't the dog's fault that it went under the fence this poor poor woman all she was trying to do was just rescue the dog right shouldn't our sympathies be with gloria and little baby girl and you'd be wondering how do i know all this how do i know all these details about the story and what about this all these ironies all these coincidences baghdad really they, they live near a town called Baghdad? Yes, yes, they do. It's a little on the nose, but I'm just, the facts are as the facts are. So it turns out there is yet another little twist to the story, which is, so why did baby girl go under the fence in the first place? Are Gloria and Edmund really that innocent? Mm, we'll have to know more. You'll have to come back. Stay tuned. Come back for tomorrow's part three, where I wrap up the story and I and I reveal to you all the research, all the details behind the story, including specific quotes and excerpts from interviews with all the parties involved. Stay tuned. And in the meantime, stay safe, stay home, stay healthy, and stay human. Thank you.